Hello everybody, welcome to today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host Mitch Michaels. Thank you for joining me on the sports podcast. We got a lot to discuss today with the guest being my buddy Brandon Marcus, host of the Mostly Banner podcast. We always talk a lot of sports. Today is no different than that. We dive into baseball season, just six weeks left, probably less than that by now. Until we got the playoffs, a lot of storylines, a lot of division races. Oakland has caught Houston. Even in the standings, they're just remarkable. Will the Indians have a chance of taking out the Red Sox in the playoffs? What will the Yankees look like? And who is the favorite in the NL? And we have a lot to break down of the baseball, divisional, and wild card races. And we talk a little football, basketball storyline, touch up on pro and college football. Brandon Marcus knows his stuff. Glad to have him on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, back again on the Money Mitch Effect. Jack of all trades. And it's not the dog days of summer to these guys on the show, but here now, Brandon Marcus. Thanks for joining the show again. Hey, great to uh, be back. How's it going? It's good. I, I, I said that intro because, you know, some people are bored at this time of year, but not us. No. Not people that follow sports year-round like ourselves. And I know football season's right around the corner, but this is the time. About five, six weeks left of baseball season to really dive into the MLB. This is when you know the pushes are coming. How, how has the season been for you from, from your perspective? Because I feel like maybe as an AL fan, I'm just ready for a gauntlet in the playoffs. I don't know. I don't know how it, I, I know Dodger fans out here are, are just hoping to get in. But in the AL, as an Indians fan, I got to say, I'm more optimistic than I was the last couple weeks. Yeah, I, uh, I went into this season as an Angels fan, pretty excited. Got Shohei Otani, and uh, things were looking good. The team actually started off pretty well. We were first in the uh, AOS for about, I don't know, a couple weeks, and then everybody got hurt. So uh, things haven't been great on my end. I got to tell you, I think the Angels have used about 16 different starters. Yeah. And just to com- give you a little comparison there, the uh, Astros tonight are using their sixth different starter. So uh, that shows you how things are going right now for the Angels. And uh Baseball has not been great. I think the AL has actually been kind of boring um, in a couple of different divisions. Like, you knew that it was going to be Red Sox, Yankees, and the AL East. That's exactly what's happened. And the Red Sox are just that good. Indians dominated their division. My goodness, your division's terrible. Yep. And the AL West, I mean, I think that the AL West is probably the most intriguing thing. And probably the best part right now about baseball is the Oakland A's and how the hell they have just become a juggernaut over the last couple of months yeah it's a very fascinating division i do think part of what's troubled you in addition to all the injuries that the angels have had has been just how good that division's been even seattle who's not fully removed from the playoff picture either it's just it's just fascinating i do want to just touch base on my team for a second then we can move on but the indians i know you mentioned perfectly terrible division no doubt in anyone's mind that they were going to win it this year but it was always the case of how do they stack up against the rest of the AL teams. And maybe part of my optimism is the fact that Boston, even though the Tribe, they're looking good tonight, they might take two in a row in Boston. They've played so ridiculously well that I'm not worried if they if they lose to them in like the ALCS or in the playoffs because that's, at this point, to be expected. I'm looking at the other teams in the division, other teams in the league, I should say, the Yankees, the Astros, even Oakland. I think the Indians match up pretty favorably to them. One to six in their lineup, the starting pitching is coming around, and they added some relievers at the deadline. So I think part of it is my expectations are if they lose the Boston, so be it. That's a juggernaut. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I, I can see that. And what's funny about the Indians is we don't really know who they are. And that's because they just have had such a bad division. If you look at their numbers, I think it's their division. They they must be at least 20 games over. Yeah. And then if you look at against everybody else, they're about 500, I think. So we don't really know who they are. And, and there's a different just mentality in the playoffs because you can coast through the regular season when you're sitting 13 games up in your division mm-hmm. and you don't need to do everything that you're going to need to do in the playoffs. But I like the way you guys are built. I mean, just Lindor and Ramirez probably have to be oh. the best two punch um, right now, at least youth-wise in baseball. You can look at the Astros. There are some other teams that, of course, have some great duos. But those two are just great. And then you add that with an Encarnacion, and Brantley's having an unbelievable year. Yonder Alonso's been really solid. And I think they have a really good lineup. Um, the key will be their pitching for sure. I mean, I think they have some of the best starters between Kluber, Carrasco, and what we've seen, Clevenger's been really good. Um, they have some really good starters. And like you said, they upgrade their bullpen. So they have everything you want going into the playoffs. They have a great manager. And it's just a matter of who they draw and how each pitch really goes in the playoffs. Yeah, I do trust Francona in the playoffs. And, and it's just incredible how good Ramirez is, how much he mashes, and, and what he means to this team. Have you seen who's also been doing well recently? The, uh, the resurrected Melky Cabrera? Going yeah, he's having it? a good game today. Yeah, he had a home run. I was waiting for you to say Jason Kipnis, your favorite oh, player God. of all time. That hasn't happened. I don't, you know, look, let me set the record straight. I never actively disliked him during his heyday, but it's just they have been waiting for his contract to get off the books. And part of it is they haven't really developed a replacement for him. So, yeah, maybe he is the best option at times. But I still want another bat if possible. It, before waivers ends uh, in, a, in a week and a half or so, so that's. I would agree with get. you. I think it'd be nice to have uh, another corner outfielder. Yeah, I, I was thinking McCutcheon, but the Giants have thrown their hat in the in the race of the NOS. That's just ridiculous right now. So they might not be be sellers anymore. It, it, it's just fascinating. But I want to talk about another team too, because we know how good the Red Sox are. The Yankees, and if you talk to Yankees fans, it's like they're walking around post-mortem, like it's awful, it's terrible, they, they, it's, a, it's a lost season. They're 32 games above 500. It's yeah. just incredible that they look at this season as almost a loss, given the injuries, given how well or how poor they stack up at times to the Red Sox. But, man, it's the most intriguing, dissatisfied, great season that I can remember. I remember when Judge got hurt. I, uh, I texted a friend of the podcast, Joe Crisali, and I was asking him how scared he was. And he said he wasn't really nervous at all. He said there's, they've got other guys. I mean, this is at a time where Judge and Sanchez are both hurt, and uh, the team was the walking wounded, and he wasn't concerned at all. And uh, I think he's one of the very few because yeah. New York likes to go into hysteria. And it's crazy, though, because if you look at that lineup right now, it's really bad. Like, it's not good. After, like, their four or five guy, they have nothing. I mean, they, they were batting some guys that would not bat in our num, uh, the worst lineup in the entire majors. I mean, you put them on the Orioles and they might not play. Yeah, I noticed when Shane Robinson was getting Yeah, that's the guy I was talking about. <laughs> was Shane like, Robinson in the lineup. What are you doing? Like what's happening. I, I, full disclosure, I love Joker Sally, but he's the most optimistic Yankee fan I've ever met. He was the last guy, I think, on earth, I think we can <laughs> fact check this, that was still positive about Sonny Gray. So that's just, he also has been saying like the, been singing the Mariners' praises for years and years and years, um, and by years and years I mean years I mean months and months and months and saying they're the best team in the AL and they win games and then all of a sudden they're just falling on their face. Yeah, I, the injuries have made made a difference. I also is this a hot take saying I don't think Aaron Boone's that good as a manager? 
I just, no. I just haven't liked what I've seen. It's it's no, too much I, inactivity. And if you've been following baseball enough, you know that when you don't make decisions, when you don't show fire, I mean, it's it's good to get ejected from time to time. I mean, I just think it's almost like he has that deer in the headlights look where the, the game gets too big for him, just from what I've noticed. Yeah, it's funny because you look at the Yankees and you wonder how they're 32 games over. I mean, I know that the Rays have been okay. The Blue Jays and Orioles have been terrible, especially the Orioles, but they haven't even been that good against the Orioles. So I don't know how they're doing so well. When you look at the rotation, Sonny Gray was awful. I mean, they, they lost some guys throughout due to injury. Sabathia spent some time on the DL. Severino, in his last five or six starts outside of his last one, has not been very good. Um, offensively, they've lost guys. I mean, they've lost Judge. They lost Sanchez. And, and then now they lost Didi. Glaber was on the DL for a little bit. It's unbelievable that they're still staying afloat with all these injuries. And you got Stanton, who just fits in perfectly to the, <laughs> to the New York goats of uh, big free agent signings. Third in strikeouts in the league. Just, I mean, he, he's a power hitter. He is all or nothing. And when you lose Judge, when you lose some of their other batters, I mean, I just, I'm with you. I don't think those, the pitching is going to hold up. And they're going to have to play a one-game playoff against either Houston or Oakland. Yeah. Mm, and they'll know. use Severino. And then... Well, they, they I mean, back? I mean, they go to Evaldi. I mean, yeah. not Evaldi. Um, they use um, J. A. Happ has been a really good addition there to their uh, rotation. Mm-hmm. So maybe they go with him game two. Oh, it's it's just fascinating to see what's happening again. Thirty-two games above five hundred. Uh, who would have known? Brandon Marcus here on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's talk about that AL West because what Oakland's doing. I know we search for like adjectives and, and a lot of hyperbole in sports, but. This may be one of their greatest accomplishments, Moneyball era included. They were the lowest payroll to start the season. Even the Billy Bean heyday Moneyball teams can't say that. And they've caught, (laughs) they have literally caught the defending World Series champions dead even in their standing, 75 and 50. They've caught the Astros. They've been the best team in baseball for the last two months. I guess my question is how? (laughs) I don't don't know. They've had... Really good pitching. I think that's definitely part of it. But it's like uh, who? But like, I mean, I I, I agree. But the yeah. names aren't names. You'd be like, well, well, that makes sense, or I could see even see that happening to an extent. No, but you've had guys like Edwin Jackson with an ERA that's sitting at about two and a half. Trevor Cahill's ERA is just over three. Manaya's been really good, and their bullpen has been tremendous. Blake Trinan with an ERA of point eight seven. Mm. His WHIP is under one. Trevino's been really good. They added Familia. I mean, that's been really the key is their bullpen's been awesome. But their starters have just been so good. Mike Fires, I think he has now gone seven or eight straight starts where he's given up three runs or less. And with the A's, I think his ERA is one and a half with 21 strikeouts and 18 in the third innings. That's wild. Davis has been an absolute beast, too. He's like, an AL MVP candidate. <laughs> what a stacked year for that, too, by the way. I mean, it's going to be so, – so what we're saying here, right, essentially, is that somebody's going to get snubbed to the final three spot. Two oh, Red for Sox, sure. J-Ram in Cleveland, and, and Davis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, that, that MVP voting, I think you give it to Jose Ramirez just because mm. I think he's been that good. Wow. Uh, and I think he's that crucial. I mean, who – I, I, but, the Red Sox. Well, actually, yeah, what Martinez is doing. I mean, I know Betts is average, but Martinez is pretty close to an average. And but the power I can see he's them splitting. For That's yeah. the issue. I can see them splitting because they've just bo- both been so good. I mean, how do you choose one or the over the other? 
I mean, Mookie's putting together some ridiculous numbers. Yeah, no, it's going to be a tough vote. But Oakland, not only are, not only has it been Davis and, and a lot of unsung heroes, but they're they're catching teams. Like they're coming from behind late in games. Mm-hmm. They're doing it against the Astros, against Seattle. Their schedule hasn't been completely easy either. I will say though, I don't want to. I don't want to sell the Mariners short just yet because they're only three and a half games out, and it wouldn't shock me if Oakland went and do a little bit of a rut down the stretch. It's been a great story, but we're all kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I don't expect Houston to go two and eight in their next ten games like they've just been. So, I think there's a law of averages potentially in play here. But here's my question to you: Who does Seattle have on the mound outside of Paxton? That's that's true. I mean, we. <laughs> We've seen the changing of the guard, which is funny because all the years they had King Felix at his prime, they weren't even in this discussion this late in the season. And now yeah. here they are, and that's the one thing that they could use. I, I think, yeah, I, well, I think the most likely scenario is Oakland wins the wild card because Houston will probably turn it around. It, it's, it's almost like surreal to them, I think, that they can't even believe they're in this position. I think the starting pitching will, I think Cole will get back to, to being on his feet. Verlander's put together a solid year. I, Houston's got to win this division. I would be dumbfounded. This would be one of the most ridiculous regular season results in any of the main four sports. Teams. Have you seen the run differential between the two teams? No, all three teams, it? actually. All three teams. What is it? So the Astros are plus 197. The A's are plus 76. And the Mariners are minus 39. The, a- <laughs> the Mariners are 18 games over 500. And their run differential is minus 39. And three and a half games back of a team that's got yeah. what, 200 <laughs> runs. There's a 200 run differential. It, they've got no, more than that. They've wow. got 230 runs on them. Oh my god! Almost 240. It's crazy. I mean, it just shows you baseball. The same. It's the same in the win and loss column. 22 to nothing or or one nothing. I mean, it's the same. Yeah. I mean, look at what the Mets have done to the Phillies recently. It's uh, it doesn't make any sense. But the AL playoff picture, we pretty much know what's going to happen, except for the AL West. They're going to have two teams come out of it. We don't know. We really don't know which two are in the order, but I'm excited for that. Now, the NL, though, Brandon, I, I don't think we could say that. I think there's a lot more uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And sticking on the West Coast, what a ridiculous division the NL West has been. Like, just top okay. to bottom. I mean, the only thing that's the only thing that we, we knew for sure and we, in hindsight's 2020 is that the Padres would not be a part of this. So at least right. everybody got that right. But right. you're talking any one of these teams, and even the Giants that aren't just quite gone yet, it, it's it's been ebbs and flows. I mean, that's really what it's been. It's been injuries. It's been hot streaks. It's been cold streaks. Arizona, Colorado, and L.A. at the top have been in, on a giant seesaw throughout the season, and it's been pretty fascinating to watch. Yeah, the Dodgers just got bit by that Jansen thing because their bullpen, I think, blew at least was, two or three games. With it was him. a house of cards, though, right? I mean, yeah. Jansen is is not is, is injured still. He, he got lit up last game. He's not fully healthy. But it wasn't just Jansen. Their bullpen was bad before he got well, hurt. Well, we knew that. We knew that. It. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying to all my friends that are Dodger fans, the bullpen is still a weak point. And they went out at the deadline, and they didn't really inquire anybody. They got one arm, and that's it. And it's not really much. And you look at what the Indians did. They added a couple arms. They added hand. They added Simber. You need to get guys that are going to solidify the back end of that bullpen. There's only so many innings that these guys can give you. However, that being said, if you look at the Dodgers, they're going to move Maeda. They already did to the bullpen. Yeah. Strip is going to come back from the DL. He's going to go to the bullpen. So they're going to have guys that are a little unconventional arms in the pen that can give you two or three innings and strike out four or five guys. And you won't need those middle relievers, which is strange to see. But you can see a guy like Hinjin Ryu go four, go five or six innings in the playoffs 
and then turn it over to those guys, and all of a sudden the game's over. And you got to pay that price getting back to you know the Indians acquiring players at the deadline. You're going to have to part with prospects if you're serious about winning now. I mean, that's and the Dodgers hate doing that. Well, I mean, everybody, they wanted Bellinger. Look what happened. He's been great. People yeah. want Bueller. He's been great. They know what they're doing with their prospects. But the issue is, is that at some point you're going to need mm-hmm. to unload one or two of the guys that you know are going to be good to get relievers that you know are going to be great that can put you over the top this yeah. one year. No, it's fascinating, and I and I would I would do it this year, especially given that the NL is a complete toss up. Because as great as Arizona started, they've come back to Arizona. Colorado has been on a tear recently, but again, not a team that we're really expecting. We we kind of everybody expected them to take a step back. I, I'm just looking at the NL yet again, and the NL East with with how bad Washington's been, and the Cubs being in the Central, Milwaukee's kind of floating around. Who is that team, though? I mean, who goes into the playoffs, your opinion, Brandon, as the favorite? Is it the Cubs just based on talent and namesake at this point? That's the funny thing is you look at the East and anybody could come out of that league and represent the National League and the World Series. But I think you have to say the favorite is the Cubs just because they've been there. But at the same time, that's another team that I don't 100% trust that rotation. I mean, there's no guys that when they go out there, I'm 100% sure they're going to be awesome. It's just one of those things where these guys, I mean, you have Lester, you have Quintana, you put a lot of money into these guys, and you can't fully trust them, which is a little bit of a problem. And I don't know. Their bullpen also, though, is really good. And so when I look at their team, they have guys that have been there. Hamels has been an unbelievable addition to their pitching staff. Oh, game one starter, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. right now he's got an ERA of .72 with their team. I mean, Hendricks is good. Darvish is done for the year. You have oh. Lester, you have Quintana. I mean, besides for that, I don't know what else you have. It's interesting. I think if the Dodgers make it, I think they might be the favorite just because they're so loaded from top to bottom offensively, and they have so many different guys they can bring off the bench, which are going to be crucial in the playoffs. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's a crapshoot. Yeah, I I agree. I think Cubs-Dodgers is still my likely NLCS running it back, just based on, yep, the Dodgers have to get in. They may have to play the wild card, but they're only two and a half back. I, I think the Cubs are the team right now, and they're not even the best. They're probably the worst Cubs team in the last four years, but they're probably right. the team in the NL right now. And Rizzo's been terrible. I mean, Chris Bryant's been hurt, and he's been bad. So Javi Baez has been their saving grace. Yeah, and and a lot of these other teams are just unproven. I mean, the NL East, you talk about Atlanta, Philadelphia, and I know Washington made those deals, but you can't yeah. fully eliminate them just because. Yeah, you can. They're done. Really? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, they're done. I'm saying 25, 20% chance to make things interesting. Seven and a half games back of the division, I think they're done. Those teams aren't that good in front of them. I mean. <laughs> I get that, but seven and a half games is a lot to make up, and you look what the Braves yeah. are. Unless they play the Marlins, then the Braves have trouble randomly. I mean, just well, in this season. Now, as of as a taping, they're playing the. I think they're playing. No, the Marlins are playing the Yankees, but the Braves right now. I mean, at last check, they were up five nothing with Kevin Gosman on the hill. All of a sudden, a guy leaves the Orioles, goes to the National League, and he's been outstanding for the Braves. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the the Braves are a team well ahead of schedule i think you could say the same for the phillies the nationals have probably been the biggest disappointment in baseball this year i'm looking at i'm looking at that i'm looking at that firing though of dusty baker and wondering did they is it possible that that could be a big sticking point to what's happening here 
Did did you see some tweet about that today? Because I saw that I think about an hour ago. I saw that the nas- the local media is yeah, so pointing talk- that out, and, so- and and that's fascinating to me because they're the people that are that have their finger on the pulse right in that <laughs> clubhouse. And so when I see something like that, and I did see something similar to that, I'm thinking it could be personal opinions, which probably could hold some truth to that. But is it also what's being kind of relayed to them directly or indirectly from the people in that clubhouse? Just, it was very fascinating to me. It's if you look at last year, the Nationals were ninety-seven and sixty-five. Ninety-seven and sixty-five, Mitch. That's thirty-two games over five hundred. Mm. The team almost won a hundred games, and you still fired your manager. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> it just it seems I'm not a huge I'm not a Dusty Baker mark either. I just I want to point that out. I just think it, it was it was very fascinating. You had a team that was mentally a little shaken, I'll say, after what went down last year, mm. but. Uh. I mean, well, Strasburg getting hurt doesn't help. No. So they've Harper had some not sh- playing well. And for all Gio the Gonzalez has been terrible in the rotation recently. Um, they just haven't had guys clicking at the same time. Roark went through a spell where he was just awful. Their bullpen, it doesn't matter what they do at the deadline. They can require one or two arms, and those guys will just start to suck. It, it's <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, they have, I think they had, so they had Doolittle get hurt, and then all of a sudden they brought in Herrera, and Herrera started doing okay, and then he got hurt. And then they brought in Madsen. Madsen sucked, and then he got hurt. It doesn't matter what they do. They're just... Well, where does Bryce Harper end up next year, then? There's a question. Actually, no, he's not going to end up in L.A. I think that Manny Machado stays in L.A. I think it makes too much sense for the Dodgers with how many outfielders they have um, to go with Manny in their infield and figure everything out and then let him go to... Who knows where where is Bryce going to go? He's not going to go to New York. What, Chicago? I mean, Chicago. Does he re-sign with Washington? Does he go to the Cubs? That's an option. Where does he go though? Where, what position does he play? Yeah, that's that. That's the interesting thing. I do. I don't believe for a second. I think Machado is going to change positions back to his natural third base. Come on. I think so too. And I think that when I was talking to friends, I was saying that they'll just have to figure out a way to get Turner either to first base or maybe trade him. But Turner's been their most consistent bat if he stays healthy, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess it's a luxury to have. But at the same time, what do you do? Because, first of all, you don't know if Corey Seager's going to come back healthy. Right. That, that's one thing. you got to see what happens with them. But that, that'll be fun. This offseason's going to be very interesting because you have a couple of huge guys on the market with Manny and Bryce Harper. I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. Brandon Marcus, this was good, good baseball talk. Before I let you go, some other sports things. We like to touch around the globe on uh, on everything. I, I know there's one story in particular I, I wanted to hear you weigh in on. Mm. I hate talking basketball this time of year. I hate Why? It. Why? We're almost starting preseason. Why? I just I don't I don't I don't want to get into basketball now. The season's too long and it's so close. But but be that as it may. What do you think is going on? What is your takeaway from the Clippers broadcast rotation that's going on right now? With Bruce Bowen getting let go by the Clippers for comments made about Kawhi Leonard and their potential that they think could be potentially damaging to get it, getting him in free agency. I'll just I'll hand it off to you, but I just want to point out, read the comments, didn't seem that bad to me. No, no, and it's unfortunate. I think, I think they're just trying to do whatever they can to make sure that they have the most positive atmosphere possible for Kawhi, which is so strange because you're completely catering your entire team to one player, hoping that he's going to be the savior when you have not seen him pick up a basketball 
since he's been hurt, which is just crazy to see. And I don't like the precedent it sets that with one guy saying something negative about a player that's not even on your team that you can go ahead and fire him because of it. I don't love that. I don't love that at all. It's It really does set a bad precedent because what happens now if Ralph Lawler comes out and he says something about he doesn't like the hustle that some other free agent showed during a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, do they fire him? They're not going to. It, it, it seems like a reason to fire him when I guess they may have not loved him last year. That That's my only guess because you're really going to go out and fire your color commentator because of a comment he said about a free agent. You really think that Kawhi Leonard is going to sit with his camp and say, you know what? I'm not going to that team. Their color commentators mean <laughs> and said something mean about me. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't see that happening. I don't think Kawhi is that fickle to do that. It's absurd. And and if they didn't like him, then the timing is just totally ridiculously off. Because yeah, but the, the reason been... is because of Kawhi. The reason is because of Kawhi. It's, at least they gave. It's a terrible precedent. I mean, and it's if the comments aren't. I mean, we've seen. <laughs> we look at what's been happening in baseball with some broadcasters. They've said yeah. things that have been worse. Way worse. And maybe a little bit of a punishment. I, I just don't like the precedent sense. It sounds like it's a top-down directive, and, and I think it's it's sad. And it's not the first time this has happened. I'll, I'll share this story. When I was uh, interning at a radio station in Cleveland, I got to know a guy who had done the uh, who had done play-by-play for the Cavaliers on TV. Dan Gilbert gets hired, immediately says you're not homery enough, fires him. Really? Yeah. And he said in no short terms to the owner like what do you want me to do cheer when we're down by 20 blame the refs he's like it's just not the direction we need right now and and my point bringing that story up isn't to draw direct comparison to the incidents but i don't think that i don't think it's a good idea as an ownership or as a group to say well you we disagree with how you handle a situation so rather than just talk this out and say hey we're going to do this we're just going to move on and that's yeah. my problem with the Bruce Bowen thing is that I didn't read anything about his backstory if there was other incidents, if there was other problems with that, but just one comment, one thing like that, and immediately it's, we think we have a chance at Kawhi Leonard, you got to get out of here. And you know what's crazy is that I could understand it maybe if it was during the game and he said something like that, it's a nationally televised game and you're actually exposed to a huge audience, but you're not even on national TV, obviously, because you're a local TV broadcaster. So I understand that maybe if it was Jeff Van Gundy and yeah. Jeff Van Gundy was the head coach or something and he was part of your organization, which would never happen. But that, that's just telling – that's what I'm explaining in terms of the level that I think it would make sense. I just don't think during the summer on a podcast or on a radio station, like to say a comment that he thought that he didn't agree with the way things were handled with Kawhi and he questioned his attitude – Dude, so many people questioned his attitude. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a hot take. They didn't, yeah, no not hot at, that. at all. It's, the guy was not on the bench when his team was in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, that's an issue. Didn't like, go every, to, didn't go to Pop's was. wife's, uh, you know, service and all that stuff. And, and look, my whole thing is just commit to it at that point. Like, is yeah. there an edict that says, do not talk about these players because we might sign them? It would be kind of ridiculous, too. But okay. Then at no. least there's something there. But there wasn't. I mean, that... I don't, I don't want to get too worked up over it because I just – I don't think – I think this story is going to make it worse. I think it's going to make it worse. I don't. I think this is going to make people be like, oh, that's kind of weird what that organization did. Right, and you know what? what's crazier, Mitch, is that then it prevents people like us from getting guests on a podcast 
and getting guests on a radio station for interviews because they're afraid of what they're going to say and their job might be at risk. And that is a sad situation because it, going back to what you were saying with the broadcaster, there's one, there's two different ways you can handle this. You can let someone do their job and hire them and let them do their job that you hired them for. Or you can try and intervene and things will get messy. Mm -hmm. Really, hire me to do play-by-play, -play, let me do play-by-play. I, I don't need you to chime in and tell me how I should be doing things. You hired me. This is what I do. Just trust me. And, and I, I don't love it. I don't I don't love any of just the atmosphere and the precedent like, like we were talking about earlier that it sets. Yeah, I. it's unfortunate. We'll see what happens with how the Clippers go forward in their pursuit of Kawhi Leonard and also getting a, a broadcaster that just sings his praises nonstop. Be that as it may, Brandon Marcus – we do have to mention football before I before I get you out of here. Okay. What's going on with this tackle rule? I mean, <laughs> it's weird. I it's watched really a couple bad. of preseason games, and I know Twitter freaks out about a lot of things. No, it's bad. It it's is really bad. bad. It's bad in its real context and in its short context. Like it is, we've seen football. A lot of us have played it at a lot of points in our lives, and we understand the need to make the game safer. But this rule, some of these personal personal foul calls are just utterly stupid there's no other yeah. way to say it i was watching a game um last week i think it was and it was a great tackle the guy just normal tackle him per normal and so i was talking at work i'm like how did that happen like why is there a flag and so then it came out about an hour later it's because he used his entire body force to try and i mean to make the tackle it's like what oh man that's the thing <laughs> Here's one saving grace that I'm hoping to God is, is what's happening. You remember a couple years ago when uh, the NBA had their little preseason officiating? They tried to crack down. It was just a mess. I'm trying to remember what year that was, like 2011, 2012-ish. You remember what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. Everyone freaked out, and the NBA just worked it out of their system, and the regular season was fine. I'm hoping that's what this is. I hope the preseason was a trial run, and they won't call these ridiculous things in Come the on. regular season. You know the NFL. You know the NFL. Come on. And the, the catch rule and how we had issues with that. that take the, the over then. Take the over then because there's going to yeah. be a lot of penalties and a lot of room over the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And what happens Let's, when – and we're going to see a lot of players not sure, hesitate, and, and, and miss on tackles because they don't want to commit a penalty. Yeah. Uh, that's that's true. Yeah. yeah. Listen, betting advice from uh, Mitch Michaels over here on the Money Mitch Effect. Yeah. Always. Uh, anytime. Take it at your own peril, though. <laughs> that's for sure. The one the one good thing about the preseason that I think is kind of cool this year it? as a general a theme is all these rookie quarterback battles. Yeah. I feel yeah. like every, everybody has a chance to play pretty soon in their career. Of the, of the rookies taken, of the four main ones, even though, you know, Lamar Jackson hasn't looked that great, but the four big ones that were drafted early. But they're all going to have to earn it, and I think that's kind of cool, too. Yeah, if you're the Jets, what do you do? You hold on to Bridgewater or you try and trade him? Well, look, if you, if you can get a second-round pick for Teddy Bridgewater, that's a quite a quick return on a quick rehab stint. Jacoby said apparently was being offered for a second rounder. You're telling me well, that Jacoby is better than Bridgewater? Seattle's nuts. That, that's who offered, right? The rumored offer was yeah, Seattle. I, I don't know who's in charge. I think Pete Carroll's finally lost his mind. I, I don't know what's <laughs> from the draft, from taking Penny, <laughs> taking a running back, and not addressing yeah, any of your other issues. They have all these issues on their defense, players, you know, Earl Thomas situation. But be that as it may. I think that you should try to trade Bridgewater, but you don't have to rush it. I mean, is there going to be a bigger need now than maybe no. four or five weeks? No, I think you can wait wait for a quarterback to get hurt and then pull the trigger. 
And McCown is a great mentor to Darnold too. I mean, right? They they have a great situation. Uh, you don't have to. I don't. They have a very positive situation, which seems like seems good. It's there's no no toxicity. It doesn't seem like there's yeah. guys have too big of egos that are demanding to get playing time. Everyone knows what the issue knows what the task at hand is, and that's to get Darnold ready. Right, and I don't think Darnold. I mean, that probably speaks to his character that we're not hearing that he has to play, that he's bitter about not you know oh, no. being the clear yeah. number one. And I think what opened okay, what opened a lot of eyes to that was how he handled his contract. There was the thing about would he be in camp on time? It's a big thing. And what what happened was he just showed up and was like, yeah, sure, okay, we'll do this, that, and it took 15 minutes. And I think yeah. that took everybody by the league. Like, wow, this kid's kind of reasonable. Yeah. You look at Allen battling in Buffalo. He's been maybe the biggest surprise because people expected him to, to take some time to get going. I he's know been it's good season, but he's looked confident. It's funny because everyone thought that that was a terrible pick, myself included, but he's actually looked really decent, and especially with his legs. He's making a lot of plays by moving on the run, which is impressive, and they have nobody. I mean, you're, you're telling me that he has any competition at all whatsoever because he doesn't. He doesn't, but maybe that, that's taken them by surprise. Like, they thought he'd be a, a half-season to a full-season project, and, yeah, they don't have anybody, but, wow, it's like, okay, maybe he is our guy already. I mean, yeah. they, they loved him. You might as well. What we thought they loved, they wanted him over pretty much everybody in this draft. They think he's built for the cold. It's freezing in Buffalo, so why not? Uh, and then you, you know, of course, of course, Rosen, who I think I don't think he'll start originally, but we know Bradford won't make the sixteen games, so he'll be out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 those right? teams bad. Those They're teams good. Bad. They're not no. going to be good. I, yeah. Baker won't start. Until after, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say week nine at the earliest. I'm feeling at least half of a season. I hope Tyrod goes the whole season. Yeah. I, I think he's earned that, you know. Well, what's earned, and I, I'll put it this way: it looks like he's earned that. But if he plays bad for a stretch of the season, like week six is in play. I, I think I think four or five games for sure, no question. But if he's played bad, which I don't hopefully expect that to happen. Then you could see Baker by then. But I think we're talking at least half of a season. And I'd be perfectly fine as a Browns fan and as a fan of young quarterbacks in general of just waiting. Waiting till next year. Not not having to rush this. I would agree. I would agree. There's no reason to. No, not at Baker's all. guy's absolutely ready to go. And you're not going anywhere this year. So why not wait? That's my logic for not signing Des Bryant. That, ex- that last sentence you just said. <laughs> we're not, sure. that is, that we're is not a, going yeah. anywhere this year, so why would you bring that guy into that young locker room? Yeah, you don't need that type of guy with uh, what Josh Gordon's going through. Well, I've been saying, like, if you're if you're the type of team that's close, it's a player away, needs a playmaker, needs, and I'm not even sure he could be that anymore. But okay, maybe he can. Then you take that chance. Yeah. Browns are hoping for five or six wins. Like, I'm I'm realistic here. That would be a great season. They're not going to the playoffs to do damage. Come on. I don't, yeah. want, I don't want Des Bryant. That's, I think that's a very reasonable take. Good takeaway. All right, Brandon Marcus, Money Mitch Effect. Are you excited for college football? Because we got week zero coming up. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, I think USC is going to be good. It'll be fun to watch. This will be a very scary first few weeks, and uh, that's what I'm most terrified about. I'm going to LSU Miami in Dallas, so Ooh. that should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that one. Well, I'm so excited for college football season on a lot of fronts. And well, you now that, love now, college football. You love it for many different reasons. Many different reasons. And now that I know that you're going to be at LSU Miami, I might need to hit you up for some inside info before kickoff. Oh, see, oh okay. <laughs> see, see, yeah, see who you see the night before, if you see any players out and about, <laughs> or just you know anything I could get that, that 
the general public doesn't know. Hey, but, uh, see what we can do. I'm excited. Appreciate you coming on, Brandon. Uh, good luck with everything on the uh, Mostly Banner podcast, and uh, we'll be back soon. Don't know what sport. Can't guarantee what sport we'll be talking, but you'll be back soon. Probably basketball is my guess by the time <laughs> that uh, we chit-chat. Probably. Well, who knows? But all right, appreciate you coming on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, huge thanks to Brandon Marcus for coming on today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Hope everybody out there is having a good day. You can find every episode of the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play by just searching Money Mitch Effect, and it comes right up. I want to say one thing in particular. Also, make sure you check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page, by the way. You can follow me on Twitter, Money Mitch M21. But next week, we're going to start something different. We're going to have multiple shows in the week. There'll be more on that in a little bit. But there will be one more show before that. Got to do a U.S. Open preview edition. That will drop sometime between Friday and Monday. So be on the lookout for that. The U.S. Open. Final tennis major of the year. Who's going to win it? Novak Djokovic just won Wimbledon. Just won all the Masters 1000 title. The first man to do that. All nine of them. So he's the favorite. Nadal's close. And Federer's always there. But will somebody else break through? What will the women's side look like? Lot to break down there. I'm Mitch Michael. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Be on the lookout for future episodes. And until next time, keep enjoying sports.